Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, I give you thanks again today for the incredible, overwhelming glory of your grace that has come upon us as your sons and daughters. Oh, I give you thanks that you're not a man that you should lie. I give you thanks that indeed, as it was just said, you are a sure foundation to build upon. And I thank you, Father, that we're going to grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, just as you have told us to. No matter what people say, no matter what persecution might come, we're going to hold fast to the Word of God. We're going to see ourselves as you see us. We're going to call ourselves what you call us. And we're going to walk like you told us to walk. And we're going to understand and comprehend more and more the authority that's given to us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to walk in more and more recognition that we are called to be world changers. Hallelujah. Thank you for the incredible gift of the Holy Ghost, Father. Helper, thank you. I ask you even again this morning, help us. Guide us. Speak. May our ears be opened. May our ears be opened. May our ears be opened. May our ears be opened to hear you. Hallelujah, to hear you. Hallelujah, to hear your voice. Your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the thing is, um, the call on my life and the call on Julie's life, it's... I'm getting bolder and bolder as I age. <laughs> but the call on my life, I, there's nothing in me, there's simply nothing in me that wants to produce mediocre Christians. I do not want the people that God's allowed me stewardship over, he's put faith in me, he's put faith in Julie, to, to minister to a flock of people. And I know that you wouldn't be here if you weren't supposed to uniquely receive from the gifts God gave us. I mean, it just all, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God wanting me to offer up the gift that he put in me to give to others. But the point I'm trying to get at is, I'm not called to be a babysitter. And that doesn't fit for some people. Some people want a pastor that, you know, I don't know, that visits everybody every single day, every single week. I visit people, but it's, it's not, that's, I don't run out and do all that, and I know some pastors do, and it's good, don't misunderstand, visitation is great, but I thank God that I've got a squad of people, like some of these men at the back, that are such a blessing, that go and speak and go and to talk, people that I have faith in, people that have come to me, submitted themselves to God's Word. And I know that they go, they're able to go and to speak. Well, even like Mike and Karen, stuff they've done for marriage counseling, all manner of stuff. 
But my job is to educate the spirit of God's people towards greater maturity in Christ and intimacy with Him. That's what's in me. What's in me is to do that. I know that more than I know my name. My job is to... See, my job is not to increase your intellect. My job is to take God's Word and let it do to you what it did to me. Penetrate your spirit, the real you, and build you up into what you're meant to be. Hallelujah. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And I tell you this, I am just... I, 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 you know, there's no hype, man. I am just so excited because for all these years, God's gave me, I think it's just by reason when he puts a gift in you, you know, he puts the stuff that goes along with the gift. So I all of a sudden was able, not because I tried so hard, but my memory was just full of scripture. I could quote this, quote that, and God just poured stuff in me. I mean, I was faithful to read. You do have to read the book. You do know that. I mean, thank God for the thank God for the book. I am a man of the book. You got to be in the book. But I mean, it's so embarrassing, and yet it's something that every single Christian goes through. You, to have to go for years hearing the scriptures without hearing. His voice. Ed Cole, my one of my spiritual fathers, always said this. He said one of the great problems in churches is that people go to churches where people are taught how to hear a sermon. They're basically taught how to hear a sermon and do community. And see, there's nothing wrong to say that community is important. But I mean, they're taught that more than how to hear the voice of God, which is at the heart of every individual, if they're honest. That's, I want to know the voice of God. Well, this is God's voice, this Bible, isn't it? Isn't it? Somebody please nod your head. This is God's voice. So, of course, we all start here. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of God put in paper. But like Julie ministered well back, you know, my sheep know the sound of my voice. It's just like a mother. They can be 10 babies over there. Nine of them are crying. And the mama can just be cool because it doesn't have anything to do with her. But the moment her child cries, she knows that voice. She knows that voice because there's something in her mama's spirit <laughs> that recognizes that voice above any and all other voices. Don't you? Isn't that the way it were? It surely is. And you see, we are God's children, and it's always been God's intent that we really hear His voice. Not just His scriptures. Because remember, the Bible says you can gain tons of knowledge, and you can have an incredible intellect, but the Bible says mere knowledge puffs up. You know, you can just get puffed up because you, you know a lot of scripture. But knowing a lot of scripture doesn't mean that you know God at all. So a lot of people think because somebody can quote a lot of scripture, they must be a very strong Christian. Quoting a lot of scripture doesn't make you a strong Christian. Obeying the voice of God causes you to become a strong Christian. And hearing the voice of God is the great journey that you and I are on. 
actually hearing the voice of God. And, you know, I'm not going to start a series now because like Julie said, Pastor Steve's going to be with us next Sunday, but I'm going to start something else. And then I'm just going to read, well, hallelujah. In Psalm 55, can you put Psalm 55 up? Just the first few verses. It says, I'll wait till it jumps up there somewhere. There's just this one phrase I want you to see in verse 3. Then I'm going to ask you a question. This is a Psalm of David. And he said, listen to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless and distraught and my complaint and must moan. But look at verse 3. And I am distracted at the noise of the enemy because of the oppression and threats of the wicked. For they would cast trouble upon me and in wrath they persecute me. And I just want to stop there because just... Actually, I saw that just this morning when I was in there praying before. I'm just reading through a lot of the Psalms. Am I distracted? Ask yourself, are you distracted at the noise of the enemy? Are you distracted at the noise of the enemy? Because I guarantee you the enemy makes noise. The enemy makes noise. So you can either be distracted, distracted, by the voice of the enemy, or you can learn how to how to be attractive, how to attract the voice of the Father. Because there's all, you know how the scripture says there's many, many voices in the earth and none of them are without significance. But hearing, hearing, listening is an art form. Listening is an art form. Now, now turn to Genesis 17. I don't know how far I'll get this bit, bit but I'll crack as much of it as I can. Again, I was just started reading the Bible from the beginning again. And I was just thinking about some of these verses. I'll just read them real quickly. But Genesis 17 is when God says, I'm going to make a cup. Genesis 17, verse 2. I'll just go ahead and read because we can get it up there. It says, this is the Lord God speaking. He said, I will make my covenant, my solemn pledge between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, behold my covenant. My solemn pledge is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. Nor shall your name any longer be Abram, high exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude, for I have made you. The father of many nations. Now, like I said, I'm not going to extol all this because the covenant, you know, you could teach it for 15 hours, 15 days. But it just, I just want you to catch it. Think about Abraham didn't have a Bible, did he? Did he? What I mean is when you go back to the beginning, when you go back to, I mean, Adam in the garden, but it just, I don't know, I get, I get, I'm fascinated by the fact that I know if it's possible then, it's still possible now. In fact, with all of my heart, I believe it's far easier because of the work of Jesus Christ. What I'm talking about is hearing God. But picture Abram, and he's about 100 years old, and you know, and it says God speaks to him. Now, does God... Did God stand in front of him? Well, no. And the Bible says no man has seen God and lived. He didn't stand in front of Abram. So, I mean, did Abram hear God with his physical ears? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
And yet we have recorded over and over again, as it were, conversations with God's people who heard God's voice. And because they heard God's voice and obeyed it, they were blessed to the nth degree. They were victorious in battle. They were helped in any and every area of their life because they heard God's voice. And something else, and even in this, something you have to hear, and this struck me too the other day when I was praying. Little things just stopped me. I behold, I have made you. Think about Abram sitting here and he hears these words. And remember, they're coming on the inside. I've made you. I mean, I've made you. I have. I have. I mean, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I've, it's been my choice. It's my design. It's my desire. It's what I've chosen to do. I've made you from, you are the father of nations, going to be the father of many nations. I made you to be that. I mean, I made you to be that. And somehow, see, in his inner man, an inner hearing, he, I'm no longer Abram. I, I am Abraham. From now on, people, tribes, wives, children, you will call me Abraham. I'm no longer Abram. God has made me. God has made me Abraham. And he's made me that. I'm called that. And because he's called me that, that's what I will become. Because I've been called that, that's what I will become. And it just struck me, and I was thinking about the fact that God said, Don't you understand? I have made every single human that's ever been born. I've made them for a reason. I mean, I have made, I've put an imprint upon them. that, To the point that nothing that the earth offers them or that the experience will ever fully satisfy until they discover what I've made them to be. I've made them. How dare we think God does not have a divine purpose for our life? Remember, like I've shared before, God doesn't waste anything. God has never wasted anything. He's too precise. You hear me? So when you were born, there was a design of God that he made. I mean, like a brand boom, man. It went into, this is in your DNA. And, and this is why my heart, my longing, for whatever reason, you know, teaching the Bible all those years and not even knowing God that well. Know the scripture, boy, I know the book, I know the scripture. But I was, there was just that another level where I'd, I'd sip it, I'd sip into it. You know, I'd take a drink of it here and there. Take a drink of it here and there. And I knew there was just much more, but like, I'm like anybody else. Well, how do I, I want to stay there. I want to stay there. And he just began to, he didn't rebuke me. He began to correct me. He began to instruct me about hearing. He said, you, he said, you haven't grasped that yet. That 24-7, you are hearing. You are in the act of hearing right this moment. You're hearing. And hopefully, again, you go to a church where you're hearing the word of God. We all know Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. Faith comes 
Well, fear comes by hearing. It's just again, like we've said before, I'm just trying to refresh your minds about this moment. Hearing is one of the most vital spiritual forces God's ever put in the human physical body. Remember, even great good doctors will tell you when a body dies, hearing is the last sense to go. That's why people who's been pronounced dead, I was pronounced dead twice back in my day when I went through all the junk I went through. And yet you wake up and you're able to tell or share what you heard somebody speak over you because hearing still lingers. Because God made hearing to be that important. And I know you've heard it a thousand times, but faith does not come because you heard something once. Because as soon as you've heard this word, you'll still hear something else. But I've really discovered it is possible because he, that's who he is. You can be hearing his spirit all day long. All you have to do, you learn how to tune in. And maybe even more importantly, you learn how to tune out stuff. You learn how to tune out the rubbish. You learn how to filter the other stuff out of the way. But I'm not, I can't lie to you. You're going to be helped incredibly by having a knowledge of God's word. Because again, God's spirit will never say something to you that doesn't agree with his written word. Right? Right? And so you have to be able to rightly divide the word I mean you can be mediocre for the rest of your life but I'm not and I'm going to do everything I can God I can't that's not something in my heart of hearts I can allow to be in the people that sit under us let's put it this way I'm going to give everything I have to help us to help you have your spirit man mature and, and that you really can't, you know, by prompting you, I can't wave a magic wand over you. Nobody can. But by prompting you, by encouraging you to go to the one who's the only one who can help you for real, long term. The world will give you short term fixes. God's into eternity. He loves us so much he's put eternity on the inside of us. He's actually put eternal life on the inside of us, and yet so few of us take advantage of what's there. Christ in us. Oh my God, Christ is in me. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. God lives in his, God, God's spirit. God's, God's spirit. Like I said, it always cracks, it just blows my mind. Something I go back to over and over again. The same spirit that's in Genesis chapter one, verse one and two, the same spirit, the same spirit, the very same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep. The very same spirit that was there in the beginning, in the beginning. He, he, that spirit who did all the creating lives in me. What must he know? Well, he knows everything. He was there from the very beginning. You see, you've got to really be a meditator. You have to allow, you have to be a thinker. You have to get, you have to practice being alone. I've said that a lot recently, but I'm telling you, 
the most valuable thing you may ever do to bless your family, to bless your career, is to learn how to get alone and shut off every noise of the enemy, to not be distracted by the noise of the enemy, and learn how to lean in. I love, and then you know the Bible, the Amplified uses this definition of the word faith, faith, that leaning, where you lean over, you lean, that leaning of the entire human personality over onto God with absolute trust and confidence. And it's an exercise. You learn, you begin to, you begin to know how to, okay, I'm gonna lean. Here I am. But see, and it's, it's the mouth, what I taught for those five Sundays. It's beginning to speak what God says about you and speak what God says over you. That's what meditation is. You know, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Remember that word meditate is that word that speaks of like a cow. A cow in the pasture, how the cow will, you know, have, will chew and chew and chew, will swallow and then bring it back up. It's, it's called chewing his cud, chewing her cud, C-U-D. And that's what it's, it, it means to keep the word in your mouth, remember? And so keep the word in your mouth. Keep Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then just stopping and letting it go down. Christ is it Christ in me. Christ is in me. And then you say to get Christ in me. And I mean, just, you have to start having sessions like that. Many, many, many private sessions. Many, many, many private sessions. Remember one of the major titles of the Holy Ghost is Counselor. Counselor. You have, everybody in here has issues. And yet God has given us the greatest counselor. <laughs> you know, you don't have to pay 185 pounds an hour for the Holy Spirit. He's already there. But the issue is always, will you take the time to set yourself apart unto him? And first of all, you know, he's a gentleman, like I was saying, ask him, I want to know how to really hear your voice. And I, oh my gosh, I guarantee you, he will speak to your spirit because he is a spirit. He won't speak to your head. This is the thing. This is the differ, the difference that has to begin to work in us. And it takes so long for some of us. But see, it doesn't have to, particularly in the hour that we're in right now. God is increasing, 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 increasing. He's revealing more and more and more and more. I mean, if you will open your ears, he will download into you great and marvelous things, great and marvelous strategies to get wealthy, to get rich. And yeah, I'm not afraid of saying that. Like I said, our God is a God of abundance. I don't give a what anybody in the media says about anything about preachers and all that stuff, I'm telling you, he said there shall be no poor in the land. His will is still that there be no poor. And that's, uh, Julie and I, that's what we continue to pray over you. There shall be no poor in this church. I don't, whatever needs to happen, whatever needs to happen, Father, let their eyes be open, let their ears hear, let them make godly, divinely directed decisions. But in the name of Jesus, we continue to pray over these people. None shall be, there shall be no poor among us. There shall be no poor among us. You are a God of abundance. You said we are now living in your household. Hallelujah. Your house is a house where there is no lack. Your house is a house where there's no lack of resources. 
I'm your son, I'm your daughter, it's your great pleasure. It's your good pleasure to give good gifts unto me. It is your good pleasure. And again, like I heard, I heard Bill Johnson say last night again, what you buy reflects who you serve. This is Bill Johnson. He, I'm not talking about Kenny Copeland or one of the faith boys. This is Bill who we esteem so highly now. But it is, you know, and he said, this is not meant to get anybody under condemnation. But he says, as you grow in Christ, you, Dr. Coley say, you cannot find one place. In, you, I'm, you study it. Don't believe me. You cannot find one place in scripture where when God's people followed his precepts, they did not have prosperity attack them. Prosperity is the, he used to say it, let's see if I can say it correctly. Prosperity is the natural sequentially ordered result of righteous living. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to say is, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I want, there's the difference between rich and wealth. When you have wealth, see, wealth extends to being able to pray for the sick and watch God heal them. Wealth is being able to speak a word in due season that will set somebody free. But wealth does include having the resources to help somebody be free. There's so many, you know, we don't, we don't talk about it much, but I mean, you know, there are so, over the 10 years Julian and I have been here, and I'm not saying this to get patted on the back, but this is why we continue to pray and thank God for generous people and offerings, whatever. You have no idea how many people whose bills we've paid over the 10 years. You have no idea the people whose rent we've paid over the years to help them in tough times because that's what God wants to do. He, but see, I like what the other said, but I'm not going to finance poverty. We're here to eradicate poverty. The issue then, we, had, we need to instruct people who are poor not just keep giving them handouts, but we need to find people who will, get, who will take instruction and do something with it. Otherwise, we're casting pearls before swine. In other words, people that just don't care. Don't waste your time. The Bible says my eyes will be upon the faithful of the land. I was taught that by an old 85-year-old Pentecostal preacher in Tucson, Arizona, because I was running around chasing fires when I was first working in a church many, many years ago, like, good Lord, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I was sitting here and talking to this pastor, Louise Brock, incredible, her son, Bruce Brock, pastor. But this was Louise's 85-year-old dad, old, white-haired, old, I mean, he was as skinny as I was big. I mean, just like six foot six and just this skinny, old, wise, wise, though wise, man. And he heard me, just overheard me talking to Louise and Brock about, well, this is going on in the church and this is going on in the church and this one here and this family. And he just said, young man, <laughs> he, just, he says, your problem is, he says, you're chasing unfaithful people. The word of the Lord says in Psalm, my eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. Don't quit investing yourself into unfaithful people. Just find out who's faithful and invest in them. The rest of them will take care of themselves. You don't keep giving yourself to people who won't hear You lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Amen? <laughs> but God said, I have made you a father of many nations. And see, I'm, 
my dream, my prayer, what's exciting, what's, what's churning in my living spirit is I want you to wake up to what God has made you to be because he has made you to be something. But again, here he is. He's sitting there. Abraham, he just hears this. He just hears this in his spirit. And I mean, like I was reading yesterday, if you turn to 1 Samuel 16, if I can find it real quick, and then I'll get on to what I was really going to teach. 1 Samuel 16. This is, you know, when Samuel's going to anoint one of Jesse's sons, right? But I mean, see, we just, I mean, if you read the Bible, you're prone to just skimming over this thing. But see, this is why you meditate. You need to stop, slow down. This is why I've taught all my students all of my life. Learn to read the scriptures out loud slowly. Give your spirit, man, the opportunity to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say through the scripture. Otherwise, you'll just read the words. I said, otherwise, you'll just read the words, but you won't hear the voice. She's the voice behind these scriptures. That's what we're after. In other words, it's when it speaks to your spirit, when your spirit, see, otherwise you're reading scripture and your head will, try, your head will memorize it. But it's when his voice goes into your spirit. That's when life comes. And let me tell you something about life. Life purges death out of you. And that's, and God, remember, is light. And again, I'll tell you the same thing. The thing about light is it purges darkness. In other words, see, I don't chase after my problems, trying to fix my problems. I learned a long time ago, I chase after the light. Because if I get the light, the light will get rid of the problems. It's so difficult to get people to understand this, like in counseling. Um, Kenny mentioned the love walk. That's, that is the ultimate call of my life to teach, and I am considering teaching again. I taught it for three, three years, four years, the church said God told me not to get off that, not to go through everything I'd ever taught and learned. But the thing is, I think we heard it again on one of the ministries yesterday. I was, we've just been listening. We just, we're pumping ourselves with the word. Hallelujah. We're reading, listening, and praying. That's, that's what we're doing because we have a responsibility, responsibility before God and before you. That's just, uh, that's my priority right now. Nothing else counts. Nothing else counts. This is what my life is for. And this is what we're going to give it for. Every breath of our lives is for this. But when you listen to people in a counseling session, and when they share their problems with you, you know, you have to listen for quite a while before they often before they actually get to what the real situation is. But I would say 90% of everybody I've ever counseled at the root of their problem was, the root of their situation was, they didn't actually know that God loved them. They don't actually know how big, how huge, how wide, how unconditional God's love is for you. They don't know. They don't know that nothing, nothing, Paul, I am persuaded, nothing can separate me. 
I don't care what you've sinned. I don't care what you've done. This is the miracle that's beyond. This is why you don't. You think it's too good to be true because it is too good in the natural to be true. God never stops adoring you. And see, when you begin to wake up this way, First John, he said, you know, Jesus' brother said, believe the love. You have to believe the love that God has for you. Because once love comes in, fear goes out. Rejection leaves. Fear of failure is gone because you receive the greatest gift that can ever be given, the love of the creator of all that exists. And you know that my life is but a vapor. I'm here. I'm going to do what I need to do here, but I have no worries. What, what, what is there to worry about? I've got eternal life. My father loves me. And when I go through a time of trial and tribulation, I'm not going to faint because he's with me. He's with me. He'll be faithful to deliver me. I will come out on the other side. How many of you like me have come out, of a, come, out, come out on the other side of a whole lot of trials in your lifetime? You know, and how many of you remember when you were in them, you saw no way out? When you were in it. You felt like, this is it, I'm done, I'm dead, whatever, it's over. And yet here you is. That's the hope that Romans, that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. The creator loves you. This is why we have to, it takes a while to redefine this in the human psyche because again we've been so highly trained by the world that the definition of love is somebody hugging me or the definition of love is sex or the definition of love is somebody going all day long whatever but see love is so much bigger than all that stuff that stuff is minute minuscule compared to what we're talking about. But think about it. This is why the, 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 the heart longing, the longing of every heart is to be loved. The longing of every human being that's ever lived is, is some, will somebody love me? It's just that simple, guys, isn't it? Will somebody love me? I just want to be liked. I want, is it possible? For somebody to actually know every silly thing about me and still accept me? Or am I going to go from one bad thing to another? Well, if you go from one bad thing to another, I mean, you need to maybe speak to yourself and say, you're not making very good decisions. And this is why you need to, before you go forward, often you need to back up into the arms of God. You need to back up into the counsel of the Holy Ghost. And you need to find out that God, you need to find out that already right now you're accepted in the beloved. That you're the son of God. You're a daughter of God right now. And you need to allow that to answer all questions and let it bring the peace that it's intended to bring. I guarantee you it will bring you the peace. But you have to hear that. I'm, I'm preaching now. I got. You know, I always have these great plans that I'm going to actually blow everybody's mind and just talk for about 35 or 40 minutes. First Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, now the Lord said, now I'm just going to read this real quick because again, 
we read these. I just I love you know first second. I love first second Camel, first second Kings, first second Chronicles. They're they've got so much stuff in them. But I, I, I he kept stopping me this week, and he said I want hearing. He said, "How do you think they heard me?" All these prophets. And I was just reading along. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him for reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will cure me and kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you should do. And you should anoint for me the one that I name you. Now, what I mean is, we just read that, but I, instead, I just stopped and think, these dudes are having a conversation. This is, remember, an old covenant, and I, I got to say it again, we're in a better covenant. These dudes are having a conversation, Mike. I mean, they're, having, they're talking. God and man, somehow, this guy, and it's not God's not appearing to him physically. Evidently, real prophets learned how to hear this, this voice that only comes to the inside. I want to say again, God is a spirit. Is that, will you agree with that? God is a spirit. Well, again, spirit speaks to spirit. Spirit doesn't speak to brain or intellect. This is why you have to take advantage of what God says when he said to be still and know I am God. You have to learn how to have great seasons of stillness. And you have to practice. Oh, Gordon Lindsay said, I've always loved her. You have to practice the presence of God. You see, you have to know how much he wants to be with you. He loves your fellowship. He craves it. He'll take advantage of any opportunity you give him. <laughs> That's what's so awesome. He's always there. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never be out somewhere else. He's not somewhere else. He's not away. He's not a far off. He's not a far off. He's not a far off. I mean, today he's in us. Jesse, yesterday, he had the same way. He said, you got he said, everybody thinks when they start talking to God, that they, he's over there, he's over there about 200 yards. And we talked to him like he's over there. And he's, he was making his laugh. He said, you know, like the old Pentecostal, he said, I was raised in the Catholic church. In the Catholic church, everybody had to be very quiet. He said, I come amongst the Pentecostals and like they're screaming, you know, screaming, you know, oh, Jesus, <laughs> God, yelling. He said, it's like, you know, they think God's deaf or something. And people in their flesh think they have to do these things for God to hear them when he's in us now. Now that's what the Bible says is true. So he had this guy that was much bigger and just come around and put his arms around him and just walk with him. He said, Don't you? he said, this is me and God. Everywhere I go, God's with me. God's on my back. God's got my back. Here he is. God's with me. Everywhere I go, I go in the store. Guess what? God's with me. I go in the shop. God's with me. Hallelujah. I go over here, God's, because that's who he is, and that's what he said he has done. But you and I have to believe this so that it indeed will begin to bring forth fruit. And the greatest fruit is, again, just actually hearing and obeying. But it just cracks me up when I read this stuff. Here's Samuel says, hey, well, okay, but Lord, what are they? When the Lord says, well, don't worry, I'll do this. Take a heifer, take a cow and go down there and tell them I'm going, hey, you know, okay, okay. It's like taking notes. Think about that. 
There's no physical man, God standing in front of you. He's, what shall I do, Lord? Okay, okay. thank you. I mean, he's having this conversation with God, and all I'm trying to say is all of you and I, let's really begin to release faith that this is something that all of us not only can do, but must do. Otherwise, you'll still be having the issues next year that you have right now. And that's what like breaks my heart, breaks Judy's heart sometimes when you literally, I mean, and I'm not trying to be corny, when you love people, I mean, and I know you've all been here. Have you ever, you've known the truth and you have a very close friend and you're trying to help them, but they simply will not listen to you? And it hurts so much because you know the end result of what they're going to do is not going to be good. And all you could do is pray for them, and it, but it just is like racks your heart. And that's how the Lord, the Father, is towards us. He, he's given us all things that pertain unto life. See, you have to believe that. This is why you don't have to go to drugs. You don't have to go to drink. You don't have to go to a club to escape the stuff that you don't like in your life right now. I've got to get away from who I am. I've got to get away from who I am. Julie and I met with somebody just, I think, in the last two weeks that was just having a meltdown, uh, an emotional meltdown. You know, they were just, just literally in a ball of tears going nuts. And I'm somebody who is, you know, supposed to know the Lord quite well. And it just, it was so disheartening for Julie and I. We walked out of there and we just looked at each other. There's hardly anything we could say because, you know, If people won't listen, they, they simply won't get free. God wants us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's nothing about what God has done through Jesus Christ that isn't intended to bring freedom in every area to your life, spirit, soul, and body. That's because he didn't leave anything out. Oh, let me hurry now. God has made every one of us. What are you hearing? It's unsafe to breathe unbelief. So where you go is vital. Who you hang out with, who you fellowship with, is far more important than you think. Because like I said, in the truth be known, you're all hearing. See, right now, the issue isn't so much. See, what I'm trying to get to is listening. See, you can hear my voice right now vibrations are striking your inner ear, the timbrel, and it's causing those things and you're associating them with your brain's activity and you're hearing the words, you're hearing the noise. But you can hear the noise all your life and never listen. And like I said, listening is an art. So let me just hurry, otherwise I won't have time. It's not what you've heard that helps you. It's what you're currently hearing. What are you hearing right now at this moment? If you're in church, you're hopefully hearing God's word and his will for you. But what will you be hearing tonight when you lay your head down on your pillow? You see, when you're alone, I'm not lonely, but when you're alone by yourself, you're listening 
And most of the stuff you're hearing, listen, you're listening to the thoughts that are running through your head. If there's no one to speak to, you're thinking. I said you're thinking. And you need to know whether or not your thoughts are in alignment with the will of the Lord. It's just that simple. If they're not God's thoughts, you can't afford to have them. I said you can't afford to have them. Anything that says I'm no good, I'm always going to be a failure. No one will ever love me. Anything that's negative is not from heaven. It's, you know, you see, we want it to be complex so we can kind of pat ourselves in the back when we might figure it out. But it's just that simple. What voice are you hearing? Are you calling yourself what others are calling you? Are you becoming what others call you? Are you becoming what people have always said about you? Are you going to remain what people have always said about you? Or are you going to go into the truth and find out what God says about you and, and start believing this is what he says I am? Hallelujah. I hear Julie all the time. She'll get off the phone. She'll be talking to somebody or something. And she'll walk away. And she'll just she'll suddenly say, that's not who I am. It's just a thought will run through her head. And she'll just answer it real quick. That's not who I am. And that's what you have to do. You have to, no, no, no. I, I canceled. That's not who I am. You're a liar, devil. I've read the book. I know how he sees me. I'm his son. I am the righteousness of God himself because of the blood of Jesus. I've got eternal life. I've made it. I have made it already. It's done. My ticket is punched. Now, as for you, I'm going to sit. I've asked God to give me a ringside seat. Isaiah 14. I've asked God to give me a ringside seat when you're cast into that lake of hellfire and brimstone. When all the kings of the earth look at you and say, you mean to tell me this is who caused kings to totter and to be fearful? This thing? Satan is getting smaller and smaller. He's right now. He's about like Jesse said. Right now, he's about this tall, and he's kind of. He's still got all this power, but he has no authority. But the point is, you 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 can you cast down imagination so easy, and you think it's some big thing. No, you start. You speak the opposite. That's not who I am. Remember, we do that song. Isn't that song? Something who I am. <laughs> who I am. Spiritual knowledge must never be at a standstill. It must be consistent. In other words, you have to continue to hear and to read. Romans 12 says we're to be transformed, not conformed. You conform to things because of information. But you're transformed into something because of revelation. Which only comes by receiving God's truth. Transformation is what God's after. That's what he promised his word will do. It will transform you into another man. When the anointing comes upon you, you will be turned into another man. And see, the devil does not want you to see who you are. You've heard it every once in a while, but he's got, us, he's got people so intimidated, they're afraid to say who they are. 
because it doesn't look like that's who they are. But the way you get to who you are is by beginning to say who you are. That what God's, who you say who God said you are. That's how you get there. I said, that's how you get there. I'm sorry, that's the way God worked. That's how it says it happens. What you're hearing constantly in your inner world affects not just you, but those around you, because no matter who you are, you carry influence. Now, I've got, I put up a little PowerPoint, and Elizabeth, you can get up. This first one is, Kenny still here, or has he already left? He's got the kids. Oh, hey, Kenny. No, this, Kenny's a, he loves basketball. This first quote is Kobe Bryant, you know, in the Black Mamba, one of the best NBA players. He said this. I was watching this little thing. He was speaking to the Alabama football team. He said, to be an effective leader, you have to be a great listener, but you have to hear not just what's being said, but what's not being said. And you got to think on that a bit. See, as you mature in the spirit and you're learning to hear, you, you, like I said, it needs to be an intentional thing. I'm going to be a great listener. You learn by listening, not just hearing. Not having your ears tickled. But can you, will you become a good listener? And it's so simple. He said, to be an effective leader, you have to be a great listener, but you have to hear not just what's being said, but you have to hear what's not being said. And I tell you, when you're in a room, when you're working with people in business or anything else, counsel, you see, God's Spirit will quicken you, and you'll hear what's not being said. And you'll get, you'll get this something, I'm not going into this deal. I'm not going to go through this door. Anyhow. Then I've got some cool. Next one, just about listening. Randy Elsher in his book, Effective Listening, says the following. This is quotes from self. I did this study many years ago, and I, was, I, I just found it two days ago. I was going through some of my old notes and stuff, and I thought I'd just refresh this. I taught this in 2004, the last time. Randy Elsher in his book, Effective Listening, says the following. Quote, the single most powerful influence on our society today is our inability to listen. Regardless, regardless if it is by choice or not, our inability co to communicate is rooted in our inability to listen. This stems, this stems from the fact that our soul is weak and our ego is strong. Where you find strong ego, you find listening skills that are non-existent. Now, again, that's one that you need to think about for a while. Ego. In other words, see, you don't listen if you think you've got most of the answers. Did you actually hear me? There are some people you cannot have an honest discussion with because they're already set. I'm gonna, I only believe what I believe. I don't have room to listen to anything else. I just don't have room. Regardless if it's by choice or not, our inability to communicate is rooted in our inability to, to listen. I guarantee you, if God's got a call in your life to ministry, you better learn how to be a good listener. You hear me? Because that's, that's what happens between God and listening to others. Next one, 
High Gain Incorporated, you maybe remember me sharing this a long time, a company that helps business leaders around the world increase their listening skills, gives this following statistic. We listen at 125 to 250 words per minute, but we think at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. In other words, I wrote down, that means that we're basically thinking over 10 times faster than we're listening. That truly reinforced in me the need to purposely make the decision to listen, not just to hear. In other words, you can be, well, we all know this one. You're talking to somebody, well, let's put it this way. We've all been guilty of this. Somebody talking to you, but you're, you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say back to them. You know what I mean? You don't have enough grace. You don't have enough love to wait and to listen to them. If you're supposed to say what you're trying to think you're supposed to say, you'll, you'll, you'll have, still have time to say it. But can you wait? Patient. God listens to the cry of our heart. He wants us to listen to the cry of other people's hearts. Their heads will say all manner of things. But great counsel comes from hearing the heart of people. That takes a bit of time sometimes. Ego, many of them. We listen at 125 to 250 words per minute, but we think at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. <clears throat> that means that we basically are thinking over 10 times faster than we're listening. Listening, go, no, you can go ahead and put the next one up, but I'm going to read something just in front of you. Listening goes hand in hand with love and happiness. At home, listening will bring love. At business, listening will bring success. Because we think so much faster than we listen. Listen, listen, listen. Because we think so much faster than we listen, we tend to drift off and listen to more of what we're thinking than to what the speaker is saying. When we do that, we're not helping others and we're definitely not being helped ourselves. Lee Iacocca, there, he's written three or four books. And people in business read Lee Iacocca's books maybe more than anything. He's been so massively successful in so many different major global organizations. He goes in, profits boom, just because of what he carries. Credible guy to read his autobiography. Lee Iacocca, the well-known business CEO, said, quote, I only wish I could find an institute that teaches people how to listen. Business people need to listen at least as much as they need to talk to Many people fail to recognize that real communication goes in both directions. Very simple. But see, I want you to hear. This is not just me saying it. This is people in the world know this. Put up the next one. In the book, Crowning the Customer, Fergal Quinn, the king of Ireland's shopping malls and a chain of supermarkets, emphasizes the importance of listening. He rebukes or chides his own industries with these words, quote, in a truly customer-driven organization, the higher up you go, the less direct listening to customers there is, unquote. He is famous for leading by example and getting out with the store employees to listen to customers, and he's extremely successful. He's learned to listen. He goes among the lowest. Sam Walton, next one, the founder of Walmart. Hallelujah for Walmart. They own Asda's now. 
The founder of Walmart says the following, quote, the key to success is to get out into the stores and listen to what the associates have to say. It is terribly important for everyone to get involved. Our best ideas come from clerks and stock boys, little children. This is why when you're in a position of leadership, if you shut your ears from hearing those that are like children or just new beginners, you're doing yourself a great disservice because God will speak to children. He'll speak to people that are, quote, unquote, you know, far less qualified than you, if you know what I mean, however you want to put it. But see, this is basic, this is a call to basic humility, really, isn't it? I, you know, I'm going to listen. If God brings somebody in front of me, I don't want to just automatically assume I am the big chief. Judy jokingly calls me that sometimes when I'm trying to say something. She says, so are you the big chief? And I smile and go, yeah, I'm, no. Next one, believe it or not, being a good listener is more important in sales than being a good talker. Now, this may not sound that much to you, but if you will, if you think. Ben Feldman, this guy, he was the first insurance salesman in America to pass the sales goal of 25 million in one year. 25 million in one year. He had a simple formula for his success. He was New York Life's leading salesman for more than 20 years. Now, this is the trip, though. He operated out of East Liverpool, Ohio, a city of 20,000 people. Now listen, if anybody's in sales, 20,000 people, he's selling 25 million a year? <laughs> oh well. His secret was simply this, work hard, think big, listen very well. As I studied this stuff all those years ago, this is the way that seed got planted in me. Learn, Rod, to listen. And that's it as far as these. Well, I've got one more. Put this next one up. This is something that I was going to teach when I was doing Earthbound, because when I was teaching on words, but I thought I'd add it here too. This is something that's, that's been proven, but I, I hope you can catch it. Words cause emotion, cause thoughts. This is why it's so important what you hear and why you need to feed yourself. Words cause thoughts. Thoughts cause emotions. Emotions cause decisions. Decisions cause actions. Actions cause habits. Habits determine character, and character defines destiny. So I guard what words I hear, because I know they'll lead to thoughts. So I've learned what not to hear. I'm still learning. But do you hear what I'm saying? I've learned to purge out the negativity because I used to be so jive negative and I still fight it at times. And I'm just, like I said, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I said, no, that's not who I am now. And you know, like Judas, that's not who I am. No, I've got a great future. I really do, I've got a great future. I'm telling you, the, the abundance I'm gonna see the flood of people that God has spoken to me that are coming into this church because they need to hear God's teaching, not because it's me or Julie, but because there's very few churches that actually expositorily teach what God's word says, particularly the new covenant. There are hundreds of people that have been released to come to us and they're on their way. Some of them are being disobedient right now, but they're being prompted by the Holy Ghost. But you, I don't, if you hang around, you will see them. You'll probably be some of those helping us to lead them. 
Hallelujah. Some of you that, that some of these guys back here that have been faithful for so long, they're going to wind up being leaders in the church because we're going to need a whole lot of people because there's going to be a whole lot of work to do. And some of you women, you know, I'm telling you, we're going to need you. We're going to need the strength of the spirit of God that's in you because only women can do what God anointed women to do. And, you know, God have called women to lead just as, just as much as men. But hallelujah, I am, I'm possessed of this. It's gone past. I haven't, it wasn't something that I read. I heard his voice. And it's like, I've got the, I've got so much peace. I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm always concerned that I'm going to sound like I'm hyping something. I'm not. I've actually, hallelujah, it gone, it went past a verse or a scripture or somebody's quote. I heard him say it. My wilderness days are over. My 40 years, it was 40 years to the day you woke me up at 3.30 in the morning. Your, 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 your wilderness days are over. Instant, I told you, instantaneously, he took me back. I, there's no way I could have planned this. He took me back and showed me it was within the 72-hour period where I gave my life to the Lord at Teen Challenge in that jail cell. 40 years. It was 40 years to the, almost to the, I don't know if it's to the day, but it was 40 years to the 72-hour period. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, your wilderness days are over. You're now in the promise. I went, hallelujah. I don't know what that means yet, but hallelujah. You know what I mean? But it hit me. And you know, at some point, you have to start believing you've heard God say something. I guarantee you, you won't know if it's God saying something if you don't start acting on it. If you just sit back all the time and wonder, you'll be wondering a year from now. You'll be wandering. If you keep wondering, you'll keep wandering. Hallelujah. I'm excited is what I'm trying to say. Okay. We sometimes make the statement, do you see what I'm saying? I don't know if they say that over, you know how people say, do you see what I'm saying? And God stopped me the other day and he said, that's the problem. People don't see. They don't see what I'm saying. You have to see what's being said to actually grasp the voice. Can you see the picture that God's painting of you? Can you see the canvas? Can you see you on the canvas? God saying, you are my chosen vessel. You are chosen among 10,000. You are the one that I love. You are the one that I will use to bring freedom to this situation. You are the one whose talent I have embedded in your spirit. You are the one that's going to bring new songs to this entire region. You're the one that's going to bring the praises of my glory to this institution. You're the one that's going to introduce the strategy of heaven to this business. Can you see that? I mean, well, hear what I'm saying. You need to start seeing what he's saying. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Otherwise, see, it bounces off your inner ear and bounces down into the rubbish bin. But if you begin to see what he's saying, your view changes. Memory depends on attention. If you don't give God's word your attention, there'll be no retention. And retention basically means the same thing as your, quote, constant listening to your inner voice. You keep doing it. Joshua 1.8, swallowing and bringing it back up. 
You have to learn how to, how many of you, we hear this phrase all the time, you need to pay attention, right? Listen, did you hear the word that's before attention? What's the word before attention that I just said? You have to pay attention. What's pay mean? Pay means it's going to cost you something. You and I need to pay attention to God's word, what he's telling you. It's going to cost you a little something. It costs our intentionality. We need to learn to focus. We need to center ourselves in God's truth and not the world's opinion. Jesus said to take heed what you hear. He said, with the measure that you hear will be measured back unto you. You know, Mark eleven twenty four. And the other day, I just looked up for the heck of it, the word take heed. And it's this, I, I laughed. The Greek word is B-L-E-P-O, blepo. Oh, that's a cool word. I don't know if it's pronounced blepo, blepo or whatever, but blepo. But the word means to be possessed, to possess. Excuse me. Everybody talk amongst yourselves. To be possessed by sight. It doesn't mean to just have sight in your possession. It means to be possessed by what I'm saying. Take heed what you hear. It's this incredibly strong, affirmative, aggressive word. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Hi, baby. You're so cute. God is always speaking. Can you differentiate between his voice and those noises of the enemy, Psalm 55, that will distract you? Can you differentiate between the noises of the enemy and the voice of the Lord? Because he's speaking right now. He not only, you know, his voice can come through seeing something in the road. His voice can be seen in the country. That's why we love the, the barn so much. Why we're so expectant upon this, about this chosen. We're going to hear something. I'm telling you, the cloud, it's called Shekinah. That came by the Spirit. The Reskin, Julian, and others. But I believe it came from the Holy Spirit. Shekinah means the manifested presence of his spirit. I'm looking for it. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it. Like I said, God has nailed me for the last three months with this cloud thing. I know I, I can't help it. It's, I've heard this. See, it's the voice. My cloud. My cloud. He's got me looking for the cloud. That cloud that stood at the tent of meeting. The cloud. The presence. Father, I'm just trying to ask that you would learn, that you would help each and every one of our people move from hearing to listening. That we, when we look at your word, that we begin to see what's beyond the words, the scripture, that we would wait upon you, wait upon the Lord, Meditate, wait upon the Lord, look at the verse, chew it up, swallow it, bring it back up, chew it some more. 
Hallelujah. So that we might hear the voice that you're wanting to speak to us with about the words that we're reading. That's how you work. Because I do not want any of our people to miss what you've planned for their lives. From the bottom of my heart, I do not want any of these people to miss their destiny. I don't want them to get to the end and realize how little they've achieved in themselves and in you when it was all available. It's no condemnation. I'm just saying you're so willing right now. The Father is so willing. He's always been willing, but he's so willing to show himself strong. Father, help our people get a bigger picture of you and see how willing you are and see how loving you are that no matter what's happened in their life thus far, you're not counting that against them. You're looking for ways to bless them. Oh, let them hear you saying, I adore you. I mean, I adore you. I adore you. I'm definitely never leaving you. You're my chosen one. Let them hear that, Father, because it is the starting place. No more fears, no more concerns, no more worries. Hallelujah. I've already made it. I'm born again. I've, I've, I've actually already made it. Everything else is just chocolate. Hallelujah. I'm going to do all I can to bless everyone I can as long as I can while I have breath in my lungs. And then I'll go home with you. I'll just go up there and start boogieing with you. No more age, no more aches or pains, just you. Hallelujah. And boy, am I going to enjoy it, but not yet. I've got a whole lot more I'm going to see down here. And that's what we're all going to see. So, Father, I bless these people. I speak life, blessing. I speak the ability to truly hear your voice over each and every one of them. They will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. In the name of Jesus, I believe it. I release it. I thank you for it. Amen. So be it. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm done. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 